Good morning, everyone. Now, I am pretty dosed with the cold, so I'm here with my tissues and I'm praying that I'm not going to have a coughing fit in the middle, but sure, we'll see what happens. Who knows? Okay. Now, what I would love to do this morning is um, start off in a bit of a different sort of way, but this is really what I felt God put in my heart to do before I kind of talk to you a bit more about what I feel he wants to communicate today. Um, So I would love to invite you all to close your eyes and I'm going to ask you two questions. Um, I'm going to give you a minute or so to think about your response to each question I'm going to ask. Um, And I just want to say Be completely honest with yourself because that's really, really important so that God can use your response as a platform to really do a deep work in you today. So here's the first one. How do you think God feels about you? Okay, and the second question is, how do you feel about yourself? Okay, hopefully that's given you enough time. So let's think about the first question that I asked you all. How does God feel about you? Um, I suspect that for many of you, your first response to that was, well, I know he loves me. But I wonder how much of that today is head knowledge and how much of that is heart knowledge how much do you actually experience and believe and feel that with everything that you are? And I sense as well that some people might have been thinking, well, I know God loves me, but I wonder, does he like me? And for other people, you might have had more confidence around how God feels about you. But for you, I feel God wants to say today, there is so much more than what you have experienced up to this point. And then the second question, I asked you, how do you feel about yourself? And I think this could well have brought up many things in your life where you're thinking, oh, I'm not very good at this and I'm I'm struggling with this. And, you know, the struggles and the weaknesses that we all have as part of our lives because we're so good at giving ourselves a really hard time, aren't we? Especially in Northern Ireland. I don't know what it is, but in Northern Ireland culture, we beat ourselves up so much more than lots of other other people groups, and I have no idea why that is. So this morning, what I believe and really feel God has put in my heart is that he wants to take us deeper. He wants to take us deeper in terms of a revelation of who he is and his love for you, which is absolutely perfect. And if we grasp that love, how much more, just as Chris was talking about last week, he said about the Garden of Eden and how Adam and Eve, they walked in the garden with God and everything within their life, it was an act of worship because they were perfectly secure in their identity, who they were, Um, as they did that. So how much more so could we do that if we get this? And then this would have such a significant effect 
upon how we feel about ourselves as well. Now let's see if I can get this PowerPoint to work. Okay, so this is, this is where we're headed this morning, if you want to take a wee look at that. So, I'm going to introduce you to a guy who looks like this. Oh, I'm pointing at the wrong place. Johnny said, point it at me. Don't point it at the screen as I'm going. <laughs> so this guy, you may have heard of him. You may not have heard of him. Um, I came across him. He is a guy who writes a blog. And I really felt God drew me towards it because I think that some of you can maybe resonate with some of the things that he is sharing as part of it. Um, but you know, I saw this guy and I thought... He really reminded me of somebody, and it really annoyed me for ages and ages, but I finally worked it out. He's a Harry Hill minus the beard look-like, isn't he? So I'm glad just wanted to share that moment with you. Very important. So this guy, he describes himself in many ways. He describes himself as a writer, a theologian, a speaker, a recovering fundamentalist, a tea drinker. So I felt an instant connection because we are serial tea drinkers in our house. Um, and he rides a motorbike as well. So... Um, this is something that he recently shared, so I just want you to listen to it. And I think that for some people, the Holy Spirit is going to kind of um, connect this with, with how you feel at times. So he says, My daughter Emerson was sitting in her car seat in the back row of the van as we drove home from dinner one evening. She was four at the time. Discipline was not her strong suit that day, and as evening came, she got more and more out of control. She was angry with me because I had corrected her pretty sternly at dinner. She was crunched down in her car seat, arms tightly crossed, quietly fuming at me. And then I heard her tiny voice speaking with great energy. I don't like you, Daddy. Then she went quiet. Even though she was only four, it still stung a bit. It was a little slap at my identity and purpose as her father. A moment later, she spoke again, almost like she was rethinking her position. Well, I kind of like your beard. I just don't like you. That was so much better. My beard is magnificent. And since my beard hadn't been a part of disciplining her, I can understand where she was coming from. Watching my daughter work out her emotions towards me was fun, but her words struck a chord. I thought about how many relationships I've had in my life with people who truly didn't like me for me. They liked something about me, my performance, my loyalty, how I could support and encourage them, but their love didn't extend to all of who I am. I also realized that for a long time, that's how I saw God. There were certain things about me that God loved, my good behavior, my worship, my dedication, but there were just so many things that didn't line up with God's wishes. God couldn't really love all of me. This perspective skewed my sense of identity. If God couldn't love all of me as I am, then something about me was fundamentally flawed. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about the very core of my identity. Without enormous change and effort, I was unlovable. I never thought this consciously, but as I've reviewed my life, it's clear that I was living this way. This deeply held belief led to a heavy and painful sense of purpose. 
Somehow, whether for God or the people around me, I had to work in order to earn my place at the table. My performance was my golden ticket. If I could do a good enough job enough of the time, I'd be included and loved and valued. So here I was, identity, unlovable. Purpose, to perform well enough to be loved. Does that resonate with you? Have you ever felt your life reduced to these terms? So basically Mark then goes on to talk about the journey he went on to discover the truth around God's love for him. And one that, to quote him, opened up the door to a whole new understanding of myself. And it's driven a major shift in my life. So as we, as Emmanuel poured it down this morning, as we embark on our own journey of discovery this morning, let's just take a wee minute to pray and to invite the Holy Spirit to be present with us, to bring the deep revelation of his love and our identity that we so desperately need that might well drive a major shift in our own lives, just as it did in Mark's life. So yes, Father, we bring ourselves to you this morning. And Lord, thank you that you have so much to say. Thank you that you're, you have so much to communicate about who you are, about your love for us, which is perfect, about your heart for us. And Jesus, I pray that today you would do a deep work in every single heart, that you would take those responses at the very beginning of the morning, that you would work with those, that you would reveal more of yourself and touch everybody the way they need to be touched by you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I've yet to meet anybody who doesn't struggle with their identity in some respect, who doesn't beat themselves up at times and give themselves a hard time. I am absolutely no different. I most definitely do this. You know, if I may be reflecting on how I've dealt with one of the kids um, in one of my tireder moments, or if I'm thinking about work and how I really should have prayed instead of trying to sort out that situation with my own strength, and I think, oh, I completely messed up here, or I could have done that better, and so it goes on. And we are all very well aware that we are human, that we don't get it right all the time, um, that we do mess up. But the thing is, that's no surprise to God. That is not news to him. He knows exactly our kind of human state. And yes, his heart is that we bring our stuff to him and that in doing that, um, his Holy Spirit helps us to become more like Jesus in the process. But his love for us in no way depends upon our performance. And I think that's something really important that we grasp today. His grace and his love is absolutely perfect because he is a perfect God and he is a perfect and loving heavenly father. And that is the truth that should define us and that should give us confidence in our identity and who we are. So Brennan Manning, I came across this little quote and I really liked it. Right, Johnny, I'm pointing at you. There we go. Um, so this is, he said, define yourself radically as one beloved of God. This is the true self. Every other 
identity is illusion. I'm going to say that again. Define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. Illusion. Now, that's quite an interesting term. So you could say that an illusion is something that deceives by producing a false or misleading impression of reality. Now, who would want to do that? Who would want to, to give us a false impression of who we are? Who's the deceiver? I think we all know exactly who the deceiver is, the one who seeks to kill and to destroy, who comes as a thief, um, stealing away the truth of who we are, as it says in John 10, 10. The devil will create whatever illusion he can around our identity. And why does he want to do that? Why does he feel the need to do it? Because he is so incredibly threatened by the reality and the truth of who we are in God's eyes and in God's sight and the identity that we actually have. He is absolutely terrified. He knows that if we get this, he knows that if we grasp who we are in the sight of our beautiful and perfect God, that, you know, we will be empowered beyond what we can imagine. And he hates it. And he is terrified. So he works really hard to um, help us to believe differently from the way God sees us. Now, John 14 verse 9 says, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So this is Jesus, obviously. So as God's son, Jesus completely mirrored the heart of his Father during his time on earth. And as I've been studying the New Testament over the last few while, there's one term that's really stood out for me, and actually it was one of the terms that you read, Alan, this morning as well, and that's Sam. And it's the term compassion. Time and time again, that is the word that is chosen. That is the word we read about, how Jesus had compassion on people. And obviously, this is a term that we all know. But actually, when I did a wee bit of study around it, I'm not sure that I have ever grasped the depth of this term. So compassion, when we look at the Greek translation, this is what it means. It actually means to be moved in your inward parts. It means that every part of you is affected with emotion. And maybe a more um, well-known thing that we can relate to, you know, is when we talk about feeling gutted, you know, that's actually equated with compassion. It's literally where everything within you, every organ, your guts are wrenched because of the depth of the emotion there. And we know that when we say we feel really gutted about something, it's like a real physical ache, isn't it? And very often we talk about that in the context of disappointment or something. And then let's think about the root word within that as well. It's passion. And we know the emotion. We know the ferocity um, that is carried in that word that very often results, can't help but result in some sort of response. 
So this word compassion, it is not to be taken lightly at all. And in fact, it is a profound emotional experience. So when we look at the Bible, it is absolutely saturated with compassion. It seeps through the pages of the Old Testament. It pours out of the Gospels. And oh my goodness, it presents such a challenge to followers of Jesus. So in light of this, what I would love to do is um, look briefly at a couple of passages with you um, where compassion comes into play. And whenever you look at the life of Jesus, he so beautifully modeled a life of worship, didn't he? So let's have a look first at Matthew 14, 14. Oh, I've gone too far. Oh, I'm not very good with technology. Bear with me. Yeah, that's us. Okay. So this story, this is the one where Jesus had um, withdrawn by boat to a solitary place. And my heart really goes out to Jesus because whenever he tried to get some space and some rest time, so often people pursued him. Um, so this, this is the case here as well. So the crowds had followed him. And then we read, when he landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So let's have a wee think about this in the context of our new understanding of, of compassion. So whenever Jesus saw this crowd, he was deeply, deeply moved. So let's think again about that from his very guts, everything within him emotionally reacted and emotionally responded with love. And this then overflowed into action whenever we read how he then healed the sick among them. This is how God feels about you. So let's have a look at our second one. So this time... Um, Jesus was dealing with one individual instead of a crowd. So a man with leprosy, he came begging on his knees and he said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said. Immediately he was cured. So again, let's think about our compassion. When Jesus looked at this man, everything within him was deeply, deeply moved. Right from his very guts, such a profound love for him filled his being. And life was completely restored to this man, not only physically in the sense of his leprosy, but uh, he got his life back. He could be part of society again. He could be part of his family. And he was no longer labeled and ostracized as unclean. So maybe we should be crying out to Jesus today. If you're willing, reveal the depth of your love for us today. And I really believe with all my heart that Jesus is saying, I'm willing. So this same Jesus we've just read about, he looks at you and he looks at me in this moment and he is flooded 
with compassion for us. Despite our brokenness, despite our failures, despite our sin, despite our struggles. Because this is no airy-fairy, Valentine's Day, heart and flowers kind of love. He sees you. He knows you intimately. Every step of your life, he has walked with you. He is by your side. He is your strength. He is your rock. He's your guide. He's your faithful friend. He's your encourager. He's everything. And the depth of this compassion for you, his longing for you, is that you are released into the true identity as his son and daughter. And his heart and his passion for you was such that he couldn't help but act upon it whenever he died the most horrific death on the cross in your place. N.T. Wright, well known, said this, if you have never felt or known the sheer power and strength of God's love, take another look at Jesus dying on the cross. If you have never felt or known the sheer power and strength of God's love, take another look at Jesus dying on the cross. Because you see, the truth of what Jesus did for us on the cross, that is what enables us to stand fully in God's presence. Seeing him face to face, we are then transformed by this encounter of love. And then we as transformed people can then become living acts of worship as we glorify God in our lives. And what greater act of worship is there than to reflect the glory of God in and through our lives? And the truth is, you can do nothing to make God love you more, and you can do absolutely nothing to make God love you less, because that's what perfect love is. It's absolutely unconditional. And maybe for those of us in the room who are parents, maybe we can have some degree of understanding around this, because we love our kids no matter what, don't we? And even in those times, whenever they are driving us completely crazy, like the time that one of our children stuck her feet to the floor, testing out the super claims of super glue, or whenever another one of our little ones decided that um, they would use their creative giftings that God had placed within them to get markers and color in the kind of bland um, white sandstone fireplace that we had. I didn't actually like it anyway. It really helped my kids to get a new one, so it worked out quite well. Um, but, you know, our love for them did not change at all. And, you know, our capacity to love as human beings can actually at times overwhelm us. And when I think about the birth of our three children, whenever they were put into my arms, I can remember feeling like I couldn't even cope with the intensity of love that I experienced at that moment. But, you know, that is nothing compared to the love of God for us. That is only a fraction of the love that he has. R.T. Kendall says, if we could see how much the Lord loves us and truly feel it, none of us would ever be the same again. 
He is the one who created you, who knit you together in the secret place before one of your days came to be, as it says in Psalm 139. Every step that you've taken, every tear that you have cried, every mistake that you have made, every prayer that you have cried out, those who feel brokenhearted because things didn't work out, maybe in the context of your marriage, whether or not you have realized or believed it, he has been present. He has been there through every second. And his love has always been and will always be so, so good. It's completely perfect. Reminds me of that wee verse I was talking about last week. Taste and see that the Lord is good and he'll never disappoint. So Chris and myself are pretty normal. Well, actually, I'm not so sure about Chris, but anyway, I'm quite normal. We're quite normal, ordinary people. And we are no better or no more deserving of God's love than anyone else. Because every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we know the love and the goodness of God. And I want to share just a little story with you that still completely blows my mind. And it's kind of just over a year later. So on the day that we pressed the send button to send the message to the Vineyard Church movement to confirm that um, God had called us to join up with Emmanuel to bring our much-loved Upper Band Vineyard congregation um, with a, a group of people from Lurgan and another group of people to make to form this church. Um, that was a pretty big day. And, you know, we knew that this is exactly what we were being called to do. And God had, had actually used lots of people um, over a course of time to give prophetic words to confirm that this was exactly right. But it was still a big day. It was still a big deal. And I can remember it was half ten. Uh, we were going to bed that night. And Chris and I looked at each other and we said, well, no going back now. And at that moment, my phone, I heard the wee ping of my phone. And I picked it up. And uh, there was a message from a friend of mine called Kate, who is a missionary in South Africa. Now, we had kept the, the kind of news about this happening completely confidential. At this stage, we hadn't told our Upper Band Vineyard family. So nobody knew anything about this. And so this message from Kate um, said this. Hi, Debbie and Chris. I have no understanding of this message, but God spoke to me really clearly and told me that I had to send you this message tonight. And the message was, you guys choose kingdom over denomination, and I'm so proud of you. And that still blows my mind whenever I think about that, because that had been a kind of recurrent conversation over many years with Chris and myself, we were part of the vineyard movement, which we loved, but it wasn't all about the vineyard for us. It was about the kingdom, and it was about getting on board with whatever God was doing in terms of the vineyard and the wider church, which in some ways, I guess, because that's the way we were wired, that made that easier. But it's not so beautiful. We felt completely and utterly spoilt, you know, just with that extravagant 
um, expression of love that our Father sent us that night in recognition that he was with us and that he loved us and that he was proud of us um, and had been with us every step of the way through that process. And I came across a verse which might help some of us who maybe struggle with the concept of actually, but do you have to feel this love? You know, you can know that God loves you, but how important is it to actually feel it? But Romans 5, I'm just thinking, have I got the slide for this? No, I don't. Um, Romans 5 verse 5 says, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And my understanding of this verse and my prayer today is that the Holy Spirit can help us to really feel and to experience God's love poured into our hearts at a deeper level, which can then help to rewrite all of those insecurities that we have been looking at. You see, our circumstances don't dictate or determine our identity. It is who God is and how he sees us that dictate our identity. That is our true identity. And one way that we can practically invite him to do this um, is through looking at the truth of who we are as presented in the Bible. Is that we verse John 8 verse 32 says, the truth will set you free. So what I would love you to do um, with me now is I have written out a number of biblical truths that I would love us to say as a church family. Now, on your seats, whenever you came in, um, my children cut these up in the car on the way there, so they're not the most beautifully cut. But anyway, the words are more important. Um, so what we're going to do together is I would love us just to declare the truth of our identity today, who we are. There's something extremely significant about actually speaking biblical truth over ourselves, even more so than in our heads. There's something really, really powerful about that. And what I've done is I haven't got time to read out all corresponding verses in case you're thinking, well, how do you know that? Um, but that can be your homework. So you can take that home and you can um, continue this as an exercise if you think that it's something that would be helpful for you. So if I could even maybe ask you to stand up um, just for a bit of a movement break. And let's just declare this together because these truths are beautiful. They are liberating and they will really help us to deepen our understanding of who we are. So if we move to say them together, starting with the first one. I am a child of God. I am in Christ. I am loved by God. I am redeemed. I am perfect in Christ. I am significant. Excellent. Thank you so much. Okay, you can sit down. So take that with you. And hopefully that's something that you can do at home as part of your encouragement. Now, we're running out of time, so I'm going to speed up quite a lot here. Okay. <clears throat> so whenever we looked at those verses about Jesus and the compassion, um, 
that he felt for the people he came across, it very often led to an action, didn't it? So in the con those two stories we looked at, the healing, that was what happened. And the thing is that the importance of us getting this identity thing right, it goes way, way beyond ourselves. Because as you well know, there are lots of lost and hurting and lonely people in this community that we have been placed in. And the thing is, if we are so busy beating ourselves up and believing the lies that the enemy would have us believe, we kind of can get stuck in almost a bit of a self-pity mode, a very inward-focused mode that, that doesn't give you the room and the space to look beyond yourself, you know, for God's heart to be transferred through you um, to the people around you and what is happening there. And so today I believe that God is calling us um, to once again look to the cross because there's no more that he could have done to prove his perfect and his beautiful and his passionate love for us so that we can be confident and assured in our identity. And I was having a wee look at the, the rich young ruler, that story where he said to Jesus, which commandment is the most important one? And the response was, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And it was almost as if the second part of that was an extension of the first. The, couldn't, the two couldn't be separated because as we love God and as we worship him and as we experience more of his love for us, then an overflow will take place into the community, into the lives, into our workplaces where God has placed us. And as a leadership team, um, as Alan said, we've been thinking about and preparing our first anniversary celebration service next week. And as part of this, we've been taking time to really reflect and kind of articulate, well, who, who are we? What is the heart and the calling that God has given us in a kind of outward focused uh, sense as a church? Who has God called us to love and to reach and to minister to? Um, and how can the church best position itself to do this? And it's a complete honor that Jesus would love us and desires us to be his hands and his feet in this place and poured it down. And so I'm nearly there. Um, so what we're going to do is we are going to close by reading another verse um, that I felt God highlight to me. And it's Matthew 9, verse 36. Um, and what I would love us to do is to mirror this verse in our own setting right now. I'm sure I have this one. Oh, no, I had it. And then I lost it. Thank you, Johnny. Okay, so this is what it says. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Now we know that shepherd, don't we? And we know that he longs for the weary and the scattered multitudes in this community and Largan and uh, Craig Avon area to know him too as their God and their Savior so that they can discover their identity and their purpose in him as well. And our prayer is that we can collectively echo this verse by stating together, but when we, as in this Emmanuel Portadown community, 
when we see the multitudes imported on, we are moved with compassion for them because they are weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. So my heart and my prayer today is that God brings us a fresh revelation of his love and his compassion, which then gives us so much more confidence in our true identity in him. So if I have we time for one more song, just about, yeah. If I could invite the band to come up, um, I would just love to invite you to use this last little bit of time that we have. Reflect again on your response at the very beginning when I asked those questions. In what way do you need God to come today and to flood your heart? You know, how do you, in which way do you need reassurance of his love and your identity in him?